Welcome back to episode 8 of the Everything Property Podcast. Now, one thing I like to do almost every day is read and when I hear a friend or colleague asking questions about a particular topic I've read a good book on, I'll suggest it. However, due to the world we live in and some people not having enough time, effort or patience to spend a week or two or maybe even three reading through the entire book, they don't quite get to it. So, today's episode is the first of many book reviews. What you'll get from this book review is a summary and key takeaways I got from reading the book and rather than you trying to spend a few weeks trying to read it, you can just listen to this condensed version of the podcast for the summary. Today's book is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Whilst we are winding up the first Mindset Foundation, I thought it's a great place to start to familiarize yourself with some key laws, examples and ways to build good habits. After all, as James puts it, you Get what you repeat and success is the product of daily habits. To start the book off, James gives a bit of context as to how he got to be the writer, entrepreneur and author he is today. After being hit in the face by a baseball bat in a freak accident, he ends up in hospital all but writing off the junior years of his baseball playing career, only in college to make a tremendous comeback on the pitch and in the classroom, all by making small habits which in time compounded to greater and greater results. An analogy he uses is the British cycling team, which after a hundred odd years of no great success, they brought in a new coach who had the philosophy of the aggregation of marginal gains, which meant breaking down every single part of cycling, improving it by 1%, and then when put back together, combined and compounded over, over time, meant the team ended up winning Olympic medals, championships, and even the Tour de France. Some of the small changes made were crazy to even think about, like rubbing alcohol on the bike tires for better grip and allowing for better speed, changing the materiality of the uniforms, the seats, and even the the one I found most intriguing was painting the inside of the trucks that transported the bikes white so that they could see any excess dust that could then be removed and cleaned before the bikes were put in in order so that the dust would not affect the bikes. Now, Clear James Clear explains this, getting better by 1% every day. The way James Clear explains it is that by getting 1% better every day, over the span of a year, you'll end up 37% better than when you started. What I learned from this was that the British cycling team didn't win trophies as soon as the new coach started. Now, it did take five years from when the new coach started to when they started winning these results. And if you head over to our Instagram page, you'll see that the graph of what this looks like is not, it's not until the back end do you really start to see results. I believe we live in a society where satisfaction is wanted immediately and we are less and less patient to wait for the things we want but realistically as the saying goes good things really do take time mastery requires patience and success is the product of daily habits that success may not be seen in a day month even year but you need to stay patient and know that it's coming so before setting up and jumping into the four laws of forming good habits and breaking bad ones the there's two items that Clear talks about and I, I found super helpful. So the first is identity. So he, he talks about this notion that willpower and self-control and all those sorts of things can only last for so long. But what he asks us as the reader to consider is the beliefs that we have and what is driving your action. It's hard to change any sorts of behavior long term 
if your beliefs stay the same. So the best way to achieve your habits is to focus on becoming the type of person you wish to become and not focusing on the The outcome is a byproduct of the person you are trying to become. He also makes mention of relying on systems. So everybody, you know, for example, that's competing in the 100 meters at the Olympics is aiming for a gold medal. They all have the same goals. However, when we break it down, you're only as good as your systems, not as your goals. So that's the way he sort of breaks down that part there. An example of this is that you want to become a saver, not just someone that saves up $1,000 with the same beliefs, actions, and bad habits. You want to become someone that saves. So Lockie, I'm looking at you for this one and your task. The second is environment. And this relates and links back to a lot of these laws that we'll talk about and a lot of the examples. But he says, motivation does doesn't matter your environment does one of the things that hit me hard when when he was talking about this was when he was talking about disciplined people and the reason that people are more disciplined than others is because they're structuring their lives around not needing self-control. They spend less time in tempting situations. They spend less time in tempting situations and it's easy to avoid temptation than to resist it. Let's face it, once you crack a packet of chocolate and it sits on the counter or in the fridge, it's a lot harder to walk past every single time and not grab a bit more and a bit more and a bit more compared to if you didn't even have chocolate in your pantry in the first place. Clear breaks down how formation into four key steps or laws and they are defined as cue, craving, response and reward. For each of these, I'll run through what it's about, how it can be used to form a good habit and to break a bad one. So the first he talks about is cue. Cue is a signal or indicator that starts the habit. Visual cues are the greatest catalyst for behavior. So for example, so to form a good habit, first note down all your habits and make the subconscious conscious. See where and what you need to improve on. And from there, you can use what he calls implementation intentions. I will do X at Y or location Z. By physically telling yourself it adds weight, it helps you subconsciously act and convince yourself it's what you're going to do. He also talks about this idea of habit stacking. It's also an interesting idea where you pair current habits with new ones. For example, after I get changed out of my work clothes, I'll get changed into my exercise clothes. Or after I receive my fortnightly pay, I'll transfer X into my savings. Ultimately, you want to add good habits on top of ones that you already do. So it's easier for you to ride on that natural momentum of completing one and the next and so on. Now, to stop a bad habit, you want to remove the exposure to negative cues. You are the architect of your own environment. So it's up to you to remove, reduce, replan or disassociate with people accordingly so you aren't exposed or you're limited to bad cues as much as possible. Now, the second law he talks about is craving. So to increase the odds of making a good behavior or habit stack, it needs to be attractive. Clear talks about temptation bundling in which you link something you need to do with something you want to do. There's a bit of chat around dopamine and the roles it plays. And whilst I'm no brain surgeon or qualified on that matter, it does it does seem like a logical explanation. Now, in order to form a good habit, we want to make it attractive. Bundle it with an action you need to do, which also links back to your environment and associating with a culture where the behavior you want to do is normal. Whether that's buying property, running, public speaking, it works best if you associate yourself with a society, a culture, or a group of people with at least one thing in common that all do this habit. I'm pretty sure I touched on this in an earlier podcast and I said that you truly are the average of the five people you hang around. Their habits start to become yours, their actions start to become yours 
You imitate each other's behavior, each other's sayings, and the way they start to do things. The third law of habit making is response, or when referred to making a good habit, is making it easy. This chapter was an interesting read, and whilst in some instances I felt personally attacked, it did make complete and total sense. Response refers to the idea of motion and action. By being in motion, you're planning, you're strategizing, you're learning, which is great because you think you're getting things done. But often, this sort of preparation leads to a form of procrastination and that's when things need to change. You can plan and plan and plan and plan and strategize forever, but unless you take action, you're going to get nothing done. So action is the type of behavior that delivers outcomes. Now, in order to master a habit, you need to practice it. You won't be good or perfect at the start. He just says that you need to put the reps in and shout out to my guy, kiddo. We were talking about this just this week, especially with the podcast. For example, for this podcast, the first podcast that I'm, I ever make, it's not going to be great. But by continually doing rep after rep after rep, by showing up, you know, after a hundred reps at podcasting or at anything, you're going to start to get better. You're going to start to get good. You're going to start to get great. So the response and making it easy, he says also, is just about showing up and getting the reps in. The idea of time isn't really necessary. It's more about the frequency. You know, we can go through a fortnightly period. You can do something 50 times in a fortnight or you can do something two times in a fortnight. The time passed is the exact same. However, it's the frequency count that matters. So to tie this into good habits, Clear talks about reducing friction points that sap our energy and time. You know, automate what we can using technology and then priming our environment for future use as the greater the friction, the less likely the habit. You know, if you're talking about going for a run, you'll prime your environment, you'd put your shoes, your running gear out, your socks, your watch, your headphones and all that out ready to go. You've primed your environment so when you get home from work and you change out of your work clothes, you've primed your environment and you've reduced the friction it takes to get ready and go for a run. He says we need to be masters of the decisive moments that set the trajectory for the next bulk period of our time. So for example, mastering that split decision after getting changed out of your work gear to get changed into your exercise clothes, that that little split second of a decision is the gateway habit that we need to master to allow us to go for the run of the workout rather than sitting on the couch all day. He also mentions this idea of a two-minute rule where we start doing any habit for two minutes a day and by beginning and starting that, we establish and reinforce that identity. Standardize before we optimize. We can't improve a habit that doesn't exist. We need to establish and standardize it. We need to establish the identity. We need to establish the habit and then we need to optimize the time. So that's why he says two minutes. It doesn't seem like a lot. You sort of trick yourself into it and then you move into optimizing that habit into a longer period of time. To invert this, to remove bad habits, we need to increase the friction, the number of steps required to perform that bad habit. It's a lot harder to order Uber Eats if you have to go and download the app, if you have to go to your room and find your card details and add them in every single time you want to buy something. When you've got food in the fridge, Lockie, I'm looking at you. I hope your food prep is going well. Law number four is pretty simple logic. Make it satisfying and you're more likely to repeat it. Pleasure teaches your brain that something is worth remembering and repeating. As a general rule of thumb, Clear has the following rule. He says that the more immediate pleasures you get from an action, the more you should question if it aligns with your long-term goals. And I was like, is that right? And then he sort of goes on to give some examples like, 
Think about smoking, eating junk food, gambling. They're all loaded with upfront immediate pleasure, but often have disastrous medium and long-term effects. Now, the first three laws increase the odds of a habit being performed this time, whilst the fourth law, making it satisfying, makes sure it's repeated the next time. So to relate this to building good habits, a reward or incentive starts a habit whilst your identity keeps it going. So it's important to note that you can still have immediate reinforcement for a good habit as well as a long-term one. And the analogy he gives here is from a US salesman who used the paperclip strategy. Two glass jars on his desk, 120 paperclips in one, and the other's empty. Now, after each sales call he made, he'd transfer a paperclip over to the other glass jar. Simple, effective, but it gives immediate satisfaction and is also a visual measure of progress. It's reinforcing the habit to continue again, again, and again. Now, I never thought about it this way, but it seemed to me like such a simple little action for accountability and to also keep you on the right path. Now, another instance is to have a calendar or a tracking system where you track and you cross off when your habit is complete. I know there's a lot of apps that do this. You can do it physically on your calendar, you know, or you can also automate it. term he associates with this is to never break the chain, which is stringing together as big of a streak as possible. And you build that evidence, you build that confidence, and it's a satisfying reward every day after you, you complete that habit. If for whatever reason you miss a day, he also says never miss twice, which I like the idea of and I probably will use in my day-to-day. And as soon as one streak ends, the way you got to think of it is that the next streak begins. So something might happen, you might get sick, You might there might be an emergency, you might have to miss one day. But he says as soon as you miss that one day, never miss two days in a row and then get straight back on the horse, get straight back into it. Successful people rebound quickly. Now, to break a bad habit, you could do something similar to this and you can also have an accountability partner. As he talks about, it's a lot more difficult to fail when you know you have a friend or family member watching and keeping you accountable than it is if you're just uh, keeping it to yourself. Clear sort of concludes and, and states that the greatest threat to success or for anyone wanting to be successful or form good habits is that of boredom. You know, showing up days, it's painful, it's annoying or draining when others don't. Successful people do. They stick to the schedule and amateurs let life get in the way, which relates back again, I believe, to compound interest. You know, they keep that compound interest building day in, day out, again and again and again, rather than have it restarting. You know, you have the, you go to the gym for two days in a row and then you miss two days. So then you restart, you're back to the start, you go for gym for another two days, you don't, you miss out again. To summarize this short and simply, guys, in order to build good habits first both reveal yourself and the environment as the answers to who you are and who you will become are hidden in the environment and the people around you identify and associate with the people and the person you plan to become to make good habits make them obvious make them attractive make them easy and satisfying and to break bad habits completely invert the above there's my review of atomic habits by james clear all in a matter of just under 20 minutes i probably read this book once a year just to set myself up for a year ahead but now that it's summarized into a condensed version it's probably going to be easy to consume maybe even half yearly but i hope you as a listener are able to take some action points away from this so that you can implement it in your own life property or non-property related let's grow and go on this journey together and Lockie, who i interviewed in episode five i hope there's also things that you can get from this episode for when we 
we review your budget in a few weeks' time. One thing I will leave you with today is judge a man not by what he does for you, but how he treats you after he can no longer do anything for you.